Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. A couple years ago, the Red Wings beating St. Louis 6-1 to in as dominant a fashion as they did it would be the game of the year. <laughs> this doesn't even crack our top two since the last episode. <laughs> How are we, it is? How are we going to get through this episode? We can do two hours just on Kane's overtime winner that happened 15 minutes ago, and that's it. And they have three wins since the last time we recorded. Brad, what are we going to? Evan's not here. Evan's dead. <laughs> of course, Evan only misses like historic moments <laughs> in Red Wings in this podcast history. It'll be a miracle if we are in bed by 2 a.m. tonight. Well, continuing with the theme. This is a top two day since this rebuild started for the Red Wings, and it isn't number two. Unbelievable. Like, it's crazy. We were watching that game, and I was messaging in our chat, and I said, man, I'm going to be so annoyed if the Red Wings ruin the vibes from after those two wins against Colorado and St. Louis with just like a really disappointing performance against Chicago. If they lost, they lost. That's whatever. But the way they were losing that game... I was like, ah, it's just going to take the wind out of our sails. We have a great interview with Max coming up that's really like energetic, talking about playoffs, that kind of thing. And that would be such a bummer. And then to bring it scores and breaks through, you're like, okay, from what happens from here on out, it feels like the 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 episode is now protected. Like we can, it, it's not going to deflate us. It's not going to be like a wet blanket. And then the moment to sent that outlet pass in overtime and I saw 88, on the other end of it, I pulled my phone out to tweet before you can't even shot the puck. You just knew. You can't tell me that we are not living in a simulation. That is a scripted moment from the hockey gods. How can you not be romantic about hockey? What a moment. My God. Not even Patrick Kane wagging his fingers, yelling showtime <laughs> in a celebration can make me not love that moment. Dudes rock, man. Dudes rock. Double road octopus. We got tipped off that there's going to be a road octopus before. Our sources give us uh, information on what Steve Eisenman's shopping for at the trade deadline and when there's a forecast for octopi <laughs> on the road. Cloudy with a chance of cephalopods. This is just, I tweeted this out. Red Wings are a fan base and team are top two in the NHL in vibes per 60. And we are not second. I'll tell you that much, man. This is legitimately a feeling I don't think I've had since this podcast started. No. The first two years we were doing the podcast, the Red Wings made the playoffs. But we got ripped on for those two years because we kept saying we can see the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> this is not sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. There might be some good times before we get there, but this is going to get real bad. We got ripped off for being too negative and somehow we underestimated the size of that cliff. And now for the first time, and we were talking about this before we recorded, because we are always so careful because of we're how ultra things come, conservative. Yeah. Because of how things come back on us. This is the first time, the very first moment since this rebuild started, where I'm sitting here going, I think this team's making the playoffs. Yeah. I am confident in saying, I think it's going to happen. Even last episode when they were, what, four or five points up on New Jersey, you're like, 
I understand the math. I understand the probability at that point is they are going to make it. I understand strength of schedule. I understand all of that. But I've been hurt before. Yeah. Three wins since then. New Jersey, big loss today. Philly, two big losses this weekend. The Red Wings are sitting eight points up on the nine seed, which is almost more black and white than it actually is because New Jersey's most likely path is through Philadelphia for the Metro. Like, so it's there. And Tampa Bay is one point behind Detroit and Detroit has two games in hand. You're right, Brad. We we play it so safe on this podcast. Go to our preseason predictions. I was the most optimistic one. I think I had, I had Detroit at 91 points and not making the playoffs. And we talked about if this team makes the playoffs, here's the path on how to do it. Raymond has a breakout season. They're greater than the sum of our parts. We didn't predict Patrick Kane, but we're only so clairvoyant. And uh, to be fair, we did. Oh, we, we just, did. Yeah, Evan we did. just said it with an inflection in our voices that shouldn't have been taken seriously. <laughs> and with all that said, I agree with you, Brad. I'm putting this out on air. This is a playoff team. Anything can happen, of course, from here on out. But the way the Red Wings are playing hockey right now, this is a playoff team. The numbers are in their favor. The results are in their favor. The vibes are in their favor. The storyline is in their favor. The strength of schedule is in their favor. They have everything they need. They control their own destiny. They have a cushion. They have margin. This is in Detroit's hands, and the way they're handling it right now, this team is different. In our entire nine years of doing this podcast, we have not seen a Detroit Red Wings team like this, including last season's you know glory run where we were super pumped up about it. Like This is different. The thing that makes it different is everybody knows what they're doing right now isn't sustainable. You can't ride this hot streak all the way into April. They're going to lose some games. The vibes are going to reduce at some point. They're going to go on a two, three, four game losing streak. It's going to happen. But the points are banked. That eight point lead in hockey terms this time of the year is the Grand Canyon. Evil Knievel's not clearing that. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast, maybe the most positive episode you will ever hear from us <laughs> so far. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And Evan Lobsinger <laughs> is... He sacrificed himself for this. Evan died for this. We'll miss you, Evan. We'll have to talk 8% more each, Brad, to make up for it. <laughs> Here to talk to you about all things Detroit Red Wings hockey, the world of Patrick Kane right now and more uh, on this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're going to be recapping Detroit's three games, Colorado, St. Louis, and the Chicago game that just finished. We'll be getting into an interview with our good friend Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit, talking about the Red Wings and playoff upcoming and trade deadline. We're going to be having our own conversation about playoff chances expanding on just the sheer euphoria Brad and I just gave you. Uh, as well as Patrick Kane, who he is as a player. And we'll actually do that one after we talk about the trade deadline because there's been a lot of storylines around the Red Wings. And we've received some news uh, about the Red Wings. Nothing too substantial, but just some context to what you might expect from Steve Eisman heading into the deadline. The Grand Rapids Griffins, we actually feel terrible for them because what a great story they're on as they extend their point streak to 15 games. And then if we have time, some NHL news before overtime? Nah. Nah. This is the NHL's <laughs> nah, news right now. Nah, the Red Wings are the talk of the NHL right now. For Be- for maybe the first time in the history of this podcast. It's 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 weird. 
You know, I mean, we've had to ham it up at points when it's been re- like the lowest lows. Like we've had to draw excitement and silver linings and energy from different places. And I actually don't know what to do with all of this. Like you and I actually had to put our phones away to stop tweeting because we're like, we actually have to record our podcast now, but this is just too fun. Anyhow, before all that, uh, quick announcement. We have worked with the Detroit Red Wings to release one last final batch of tickets to Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. There are, I think, 23 tickets left. It is a an event hosted by us, the Winged Wheel Podcast, and the Detroit Red Wings at Little Caesars Arena on Saturday, March 2nd. We're hosting a live episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast before the game. It's going to feature Ken Daniels. There's going to be a meet and greet. Uh, an opportunity for Q&A, food and drinks available. Your ticket gets you a discounted ticket to the game, a Winged Wheel Podcast Detroit Red Wings co-branded cap, and access to that live event. Plus, it includes a donation to the Jamie Daniels Foundation embedded in the ticket. Uh, all of that and lots more. Go to wingedwheelpodcast.com slash redwings or the link in the description to get your tickets. Once those are gone, they're gone. Uh, again, Saturday, March 2nd, Winged Wheel Podcast Night at the LCA. I'm sure I botched that read brad but we just have to jump right into it i mean we're a week out it's fine (laughs) less than a week out and oh man the vibes going into that are amazing let's talk about the red wings games that happened since last episode it's very rare that we have three games between episodes and it's uh this has never happened where they've been this positive but it's very rare to have this many wins between episodes detroit won three times twice in ot and the first of that was against colorado and this was a unique game Colorado came into Detroit. Uh, Detroit ended up winning 2-1. Colorado scored in the second period. And that was pretty much all that happened until about halfway through the third, more than halfway through the third period. It was kind of a sleepy game where Detroit wasn't getting, you know, pummeled by a cup contending Colorado, presumably, but they also weren't doing much by way of offense. And you're wondering if this was actually going to end like a a soccer match. That's if I had to guess, that's exactly what the Red Wings were trying to do. Yeah. In a 1v1 against Colorado, they don't have Colorado's speed. They don't have Colorado's skill. They don't have Colorado's talent. So if they turn that thing into anything that resembles a track meet, no chance they're winning that game. None. Zero. So the fact that they were able to keep the shots even, keep it a fairly low event game, boring as it is to watch. They had to hope for low scoring and a lucky bounce or a lot of special teams play. That's what they had to do. Like, they have no Gabe Landeskog this year. We know that. But make no mistake, Colorado's still a cup favorite. Like, tippy top of the league, even money against everybody else in their category. They are a legit Stanley Cup contender. McKinnon is a game breaker right now. Yeah. McKinnon, Rantanen, McCart. The Red Wings can't match that. Even when the vibes are at their highest, they just can't match that on the ice. So they did a really good job containing their big boys. Obviously McKinnon got the one, but you, you can only do so much. (laughs) So it's it's fine. And then, yeah, exactly what they were probably hoping would happen. A late power play. And then in overtime, it's coin flip. Yeah. Larkin scores on the power play with, yeah, it was a, you know, more than halfway through the third. Larkin has been, and we're going to talk about the play he made to set up the OT winner, but he's just been so phenomenal this year, especially you saw he played through a stretch where he was probably injured there and the way he's even elevated his game this year, scored from the slot, made no mistake. Larkin's finishing has been, I don't want to say prolific, but it's been underappreciated. That was his, uh, I think, 25th goal of the season, 50th point in his 50th game. And it 
allow Detroit to sniff overtime. And in overtime, man, Larkin gets the puck. Yeah, smart drop pass to him. He he drives around the left side, accelerates. Great OT, uh, great drop pass from OT Benny. OT Benny, man. <laughs> well, we're going to have a conversation about OT Benny. <laughs> drives the left side, accelerates, skates through, draws two defenders and the entire play towards him. The goalie's looking. Dr- beautiful drop pass to Patrick Kane. And that, <laughs> not even Patrick Kane's best overtime winner. Since last episode, <laughs> but Patrick Kane fires it home for the OT winner and the LCA crowd explodes Octopi on the ice showtime once again. And the Red Wings not only steal a point, but they take the game against a former rival, a cup contender who came into town and they continue their streak of solid play. You know, what just dawned on me that I really didn't appreciate before this moment. Hmm. The Red Wings just ran the gauntlet of like, dude, of early 90s, like how, however far back you want to go, Western Conference rivals, Chicago, St. Louis, Colorado. I'll even go back to say Calgary. Like I remember that, that playoff series yeah. against Calgary, the, the two-handed chop on Franzen. Like, yeah. But like you, you have that stretch from whatever, like obviously yeah. Colorado, St. Louis from 96 to Oh, two were their biggest rivals in Chicago forever. Bang, bang, bang. One, two, three. Just like the meme of the Grim Reaper knocking at the different doors. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that Larkin play, I'm glad Larkin got a lot of attention for the way he set up that play. Like Larkin's game, I don't want to say is underappreciated in Detroit. It's not. We know Larkin's been Detroit's best player. The, the hype's around Kane right now, but Larkin has been Detroit's best player over the balance of the season. And really since he came onto this team for the most part. But yeah, the way he created that play and the way we we kind of predicted this would happen. We talked about this. We're like, people like to pigeonhole Larkin, but let's see what he does when he gets elite players around him. That play is a microcosm of the way Dylan Larkin has elevated his game with elite players around him with what he did with Patrick Kane there. Some things change. In previous iterations of the Red Wings, if Larkin attempts that drop pass, it probably ends up in the neutral zone because nobody's there or someone just good enough is standing there to get it in which it hits uh, Georgiev's logo on his chest. <laughs> yes. OT. I, I honestly want to sit talking about every game forever, but uh, we just have too much to cover here. Patrick Kane wins it. That was uh, that made the point streak six games for Patrick Kane. It has since extended to eight. That was Detroit's third straight win at the time. And uh, Alex Lyon saved 30 of 31. And that, was, that made it Detroit's uh, 10th comeback win, which they have also extended since then, leading the NHL. I also believe that made Patrick Kane Detroit's 12th 10-goal scorer, 12th double-digit scorer this season. The the OT Benny joke is Ben Sherratt was on the ice for that overtime goal. Obviously set it up, Brad, as you noted. Nice drop to Larkin. Great read on that play. Ben Sherratt, because of the power play that ended in the previous game where Detroit won in overtime, was also on the ice for the previous OT. And apparently he was in the room calling himself OT Benny. <laughs> <laughs> Which is just an incredible nickname. I was talking, uh, I was on, uh, Woodward Sports asked me on the show and they asked about Ben Sherratt. And I was like, look, man. He deserves a lot of credit for the way he's been playing this year. We've talked about Ben Schrott. I'm happy he's had this this stretch of games where he's looked good over the entire game and he's had these moments of glory in these overtimes where he's getting the attention because is he Mo Sider or Jake Wallman out there? No, but 
he has made the most of Detroit's repositioning of him as a player and how they deploy him. And Ben Schrott has made a big step to the season where he's not only turned out around his entire Red Wings tenure, but he's an important part of Detroit's top four right now, like a, a necessary part of Detroit's top four. Yeah, the top four has absolutely solidified itself. You can argue where it ranks against cup contending top fours, but there's no more who's going to fill this role, who's going to fill that role. We know who the bottom three D are on the wings. They can rotate in and out of the lineup as they please. Nobody cares because you know you can roll out Cider Wallman, Gosper, Sherratt, and expect a reasonable level of defense to be played. Yeah. All right. So that was uh, Detroit against Colorado. The Saturday game was Detroit against St. Louis, also at home. And if you blinked, you'll have missed four Red Wings goals. Like, what a start to that game. That was the best period of hockey Detroit has played all year. That was a period of hockey where I looked at Melissa and I said, not only do I not think we're going to be free in late April because of the playoffs, I am telling you right now, this is a playoff hockey team. Like, they are playing playoff hockey. Detroit won that game 6-1, and they came out in the first period. Patrick Kane picked up right where he left off. He scored. Rasmussen scored from Lucas Raymond. Robbie Fabry scored accidentally, but just from because— Casper Kapanen. He drove the net, and the Robbie Fabry's really good at that, and he's, like, one of the most talented Red Wings at having a nose for the net and just knowing where to be for dirty goals. He has 14 goals on the season, matching his jersey number, and Alex Dabrink has scored on the power play all in the first period. They just dummied St. The game was over before it started. It was 3 nothing Detroit before St. Louis registered a shot on net. And I made note of this after the first period. It was 4 nothing Detroit. And it genuinely felt like St. Louis was lucky. Yeah. It was only 4 nothing Because the Red Wings were all over them. I don't remember the last time I watched a goalie give up 4 goals in a period and went, he actually had a pretty good period. Like, Bennington was not the problem. What did those, what of those 4 was he stopping? You have Kane on a 1T. You have Rasmussen wide open net on a back door on a 2-on-1. You have your defenseman or forward who's back checking, banking it off the opposition in the crease, and then Debrinkit rips one literally bar down. You're sitting there as a goalie going, I did nothing wrong this period, and I've got four hanging on me right now. You're helpless. Yeah, the Kane goal, Gosses Bear, great crossing back to Kane. Kane started that whole play with a, like, a saucy little uh, Oh, that was an pass. unreal read. It, it's just one of those small plays that people forget because it's not the puck going in the net, but that's the difference that Kane makes on the ice. And yeah, great from Goss Spare to fire it back to Kane and the one-timer in. The Lucas Raymond one, man. The little bit of deception, like it almost looked like he went through that thought process where when a guy's going down on a two-on-one, and you, you know better than me, Brad, I didn't have a lot of two-on-ones as a defenseman, but when a guy goes down on a two-on-one, you often see NHL players, they make the read for the pass, they look at the goalie, and then you see them make their decision and then commit. And goalies, that's that's how two-on-ones get stopped. Either when they commit to the pass and the defenseman can read that if they're smart, or the goalie knows what's going to happen. Lucas Raymond almost did this like double clutch of looking off where he made everyone believe he had looked at the pass, gone to shot, and was committing to shoot, and then just made the perfect pass at the exact last second, and it was a tap-in for Rasmussen. Yeah, it's all in body angle, right? When he, I don't know what to phrase it, brings that puck back, that's a shot. That's a terrible pass to make. Instead, he, but somehow he threads it right through the defenseman's legs onto Rasmussen's tape, right on the little bit of tape that he uses on the plate of his stick and <laughs> easy goal. And then Robbie Fabry crashing the net. As we mentioned, it was cleared off of him and in, in vintage style. I actually remember a 
a game in the series. I think it was 2 the series against St. Louis, where a puck was it cleared off a Red Wings player and in. I want to say it was cleared off Iserman and it in. It was Iserman and yeah. it dropped right in front of him, and then he just smacked it into the empty net. I didn't think about that till right now. That's really <laughs> funny. And, and then Robbie Fabry scoring a big goal against a former team and not even a top two goal against the former team since the last episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> the fact that there were two today against Chicago <laughs> is unbelievable. Speaking of Debrinket, he got the puck on the power play. And Debrinket, we know, is a streaky scorer. Uh, we've talked about this, like he's scored an acceptable amount. I shouldn't say acceptable. He's scored a good amount of goals this year. But if you could ask for anything different from Debrinket, the consistency, you would want that to be a little bit better. He gets the puck on you know, the left side, comes in short side and just gets the goalie to go down, picks his spot, call it a snipe, call it a pick spot, whatever. That's a goal scorer's goal. That was a confident goal. The whole team was playing confident. Detroit went in for nothing. And it was, I think, key for Debrinket to be in on that scoring rush. Ever since that one Sens fan called out uh, Debrinket's cold streak, he scored three goals in the next two games. So thanks to that idiot. Sens fans, man. They just... They're going through... I've seen... like (laughs) It's got to be tough for them to see their team be projected and on paper. Should have been a lot better than this. Maybe not as good as what Detroit's doing right now, but was Detroit even projected for this? And then they're just in the the basement. Although, in Sens fashion, they're turning it on when it's way too late. And doesn't matter and is going to hurt their draft spot and give them false hope for next year so they won't change much. And then, you know, the cycle repeats itself. I'm okay with it. Maybe they are like the old Red Wings. <laughs> you know, it's funny because we were riding the high of the of Detroit and how confident they were playing. Like after that period is when we were like, okay, here's what we're going to do for uh, the playoff plan, et cetera, et cetera. There was a, a Bally played something where Derek Lamone was talking to the press and he was saying like, Detroit's an underdog by Vegas odds every game. He said, Vegas hates us. I hope they've lost a lot of money on us. And like he, he like that's bulletin board material. He has his team playing for each other and he has his team. You want to know how you get a team playing greater than the sum of their parts. It's, it's that kind of stuff. Get them motivated that way. Yeah. Vibes as a joke are great on the internet. Vibes in the room are critical <laughs> to bringing a team together so that they can bring it night in and night out. So the St. Louis Blues scored once and then Raymond banked one in off Comfort to make it 5-1. Raymond, it's a breakout season. I'm not going to mince words. I'm not going to be, this is not an episode of holding back. I'm going to put everything out there. If it, I'm going to get owned by it later this season, I don't care. This yeah. is a breakout season for the Raymond. When the Red Wings lose all three games this week, we're aware. We know how this goes. That's fine. <laughs> it's still fine. We're enjoying the vibes while we can. It's a breakout season for him. Oh, 100%. When you have a 21-year-old on pace for about 70 points? Yeah, I'd, I'd yeah. say so. And then to make it 6-1, guess the connection that scored. Kane to Debrinket. Debrinket's second of the game. Kane continues to put up uh, on the score sheet. And Detroit... I just, I just We're running out of words for it, but Detroit won that game, and man, Hockey Town was unbelievably like it was it's the same high that that Detroit had during the Lions run I'll tell you as a Lions fan it feels the same that was Kane's that got Kane to 26 points in 26 games point per game player more now since the Chicago win but a point per game player people were so ready to write him off like a week into coming back after not playing hockey forever like how long was he out for with major hip surgery like how are you going to write him off that quick? And then he's already more than a point per game player. 
he could not get another point the rest of the year, and he would be about where we hoped he would be points-wise before he played a game. We were like half a point to 50-point pace. Phenomenal. Free asset. Great. (laughs) He's already done that. Unbelievable. So that was Detroit's fourth straight win, and no better way to do it than that dominant performance. It made you feel like going into the Chicago game that doesn't matter what happened. Like this was already a win of a weekend. The standings looked not even as good as they do now, but they still looked like the the same thing where Detroit is destined for the playoff and like they're playing like a playoff team. I made the decision to record that interview with Max that you're going to hear in a moment here uh, after that St. Louis game, just for the sake of timing. And I was like, doesn't really matter what happens in Chicago. <laughs> Wrong. Because this, I think that was defining enough for how the Red Wings have come back, especially after those two losses to Vancouver and Edmonton, like the way they were able to bounce back from that, playing well on both sides of the break and now two straight months of solid hockey. doesn't really matter what happened in Chicago. <laughs> Until it did. So Chicago was uh, Chris Chelios' jersey retirement night, which was hilarious to see. Like that was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I think they did a really good job with that. It's funny because he played more seasons with the Red Wings and, you know, the Cups and stuff. So Red Wings fans feel probably a lot more possession of Chris Chelios than maybe Chicago fans should in in Red Wings fans' mind. But you understand it from a Chicago perspective, too. And Chelios identifies with both teams. And it, it was cool that they did this while both teams were playing each other. It was really the only way to do it. And they gave Kane the A, which I thought was a really nice touch. And Chris Chelios, uh, he said he put money on the board. Uh, Ken on the broadcast said Chelios put money on the board for them to shut Kane down, put down three grand money on the board. And uh, he said in his speech to Patrick Kane, like, you're going to be up here one day. This will be you too. And obviously everyone knows that'll be the case. He said, but don't go stealing my thunder tonight. Oops. And that asshole, Patrick Kane, (laughs) went and specifically stole his thunder. This was a scripted game. This was a scripted game. In Chicago, Chris Chelios' retirement night, the Patrick Kane return, they did the video tribute, a beautiful video tribute. The the standing ovation would have gone on an hour if they let them. People are emotional. I think Mick was getting emotional on the broadcast. I think uh, DeBrinket and Larkin were getting emotional on the bench. Chicago was playing hard. Connor Bedard laid a huge hit on Patrick Kane, which is honestly awesome to see. Mrazek's playing out of his mind. Detroit's playing like garbage, garbage for two and a half periods. They were playing terrible. They opened scoring, Sprong to Fisher and back to Sprong. Sprong continues to score with like no ice time. What was that 16th of the year for him or something? And uh, Chicago scored and they scored again. And you were like, I don't know. Based on two periods, I, I don't know how Detroit's going to do it. You cannot have written the script better than how it ended. <laughs> I said, Detroit needs a lucky bounce. Or for someone to, to get their shit together to even tie this game, Alex Debrinkit, lucky bounce off Peter Mrazek and in, because Mrazek was saving every shot Detroit put on him. Lucky bounce my ass. He picked that spot. You don't <laughs> shoot from there unless you see something. Sorry. Intentionally lucky bounce. That's yeah. a shooter's shot. That's lucky that he caught Mrazek out of position on a play where Mrazek probably should have had the post sealed. But he had that triangle from the back of Mrazek's knee to the post, and he hit it. Their players try that shot a lot, a lot more than you would realize. But it doesn't often work because the goalie can usually seal that post pretty quickly. Nope, not when it's Alex Dabrinkit shooting. Uh, like, 
fantastic way to do it. And probably the only way you can do it against Peter Mrazek, because like I said, everything from a high a high danger area, quote unquote, wasn't going in. Who assisted on that goal? We all know the answer, Patrick Kane. Going into overtime, like I said earlier, we're all just like, okay, Detroit escapes Chicago with a point. Yeah, my mindset was New Jersey lost today. That point's gravy. James Reimer made a key stop on Connor Bedard as well. I want to say Connor Bedard had a breakaway. And for all the flack Reimer gets, and I was giving him for swimming in his net again and the, the second goal Chicago scored, I'm like, why is he so far out on that shot? James Reimer saved that game for Detroit, stopped Connor Bedard on the breakaway, made key saves in overtime, and then the puck comes out. I have to call out before we get to the moment. I have to point out the hilarious moment before the moment because there was a moment there where Kane was about to drift back all the way into Detroit's zone when he saw three Hawks within a stick's length of the Red Wings crease and just kind of had that double take of Puck's over there. <laughs> and he's just like, screw it, turns around like almost like he was expecting to see someone in front of him because he miscounted. And nope. So funny. The puck drifts out to center ice, passed by Alex DeBrinkett, <laughs> primary assist. Again, like I said, this was all written. This is all cinema at this point. The NHL finally took a cue from the NFL in a good way. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Patrick Kane gets the puck. There's no one even in the camera frame at the point where he gets the puck. He comes down on Peter Mrazek. He has time to look around, throw Peter Mrazek off, tries to see if he has a pass, if he needs to. Take in another quick standing ovation. Pretty much. He was doing the Showtime Sully before he scored. Like, we all knew that puck was going in. Comes in, picks it top right side, Patrick Kane fashion. That's a finisher's goal. He the, the he hid that shot angle until the very last second. And, you know, Jake Wallman came in to celebrate. You saw Patrick Kane push him off. It was like, <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Does the Showtime celebration... Saying showtime <laughs> at the Chicago crowd who was cheering like it was a Red Wings overtime winner. This is scripted. <laughs> and I love it. The number of times that goal was on my feed within the next 10 minutes. Every major North American hockey outlet, every major North American sports outlet was posting this goal. Not We said it earlier in the episode, to be funny. Now I'm saying it in an actual serious fashion. This is the most attention the Red Wings have got since they last played in the playoffs. Yeah. I'd even probably go back three years before that. Yeah. Ironically, the last time the Red Wings probably got a lot this much attention was when they almost took out Chicago in the 2013 playoffs. And Chicago won the cup that year. I'll never get over it. Go on. Either way. And yeah, like, what could you add to that moment? Chelios night, overtime, huge. It's not like this was the Red Wings two years ago. And yeah, it'd be a great moment if the Red Wings were sitting 11th in the East right now. You'd you'd be over the moon still. You'd be doing backflips. What a cool moment. This is probably the game that like, if we look back at it in a month ago, this was when the playoffs were made. This was the playoff team moment. A lot of people have been saying when Debrinket fought in late December, that's really when things turned around. I, I, that coincided with Alex Lyon yeah, playing that, great hockey. Sure, that puts him back in the race and you know galvanized them as a team. But this is the this team is making the playoffs moment because you the team chasing them lost today. I shouldn't say there's many teams chasing them. The main team chasing them lost today. 
And then you walk in, have that moment with those implications, with Chelly in the building and everything around it. It's nuts. That is that is genuinely one of the great, like all of that context on and off the ice. That is one of the greatest moments. Arguably, you could make a case for the greatest moment for the Red Wings since they lifted the cup in 08. There's a couple that might get close. I'm sure. Like Lidstrom retirement. Last game at the Joe. Last game at the Joe. Doesn't pass that. But But in terms of like overall hype and and everything like that, like that is, I'm not sure what else you could have written into that script. Yeah. Late game comeback. Kane to bring it to tie to bring it to Kane to win it against Chicago in Chicago. I think the only thing that would have made it better is if, if, Jonathan Taves was still playing and Patrick Kane broke his ankles at the center ice line <laughs> to beat him. Like that's like, this was it, 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 the rush of emotion that Red Wings fans had. It was almost overwhelming. Like you just had to laugh. It, there's no other way it was going to happen than that. No, it, it's literally one of those unbelievable moments. It's, you know, your money ball moment. Your how can you not be romantic about sports type of thing? And this is like, you know, this is the the time when uh, someone from an opposing team, like a a Boston or a Tampa Bay or a team that's been there, done that a lot recently, is gonna hear this and be like, "My God, these guys are." It's a little bit much for a team that's still just in a wild card spot. And you know what? We can say, "Fine, we'll settle it in the playoffs." <laughs> yeah, which is haven't been able to throw that one out in a while. No, and that's where the Red Wings are going. Like, I'm sorry, unless something drastic happens, that's where the Red Wings are going. I'm getting ahead of myself. And, and let's let's throw in the caveat. We've been hurt before. We understand that that possibility is still way higher than we would like to admit. Know, know what it means for us to be saying it on air, though. We never stick our... Yeah. Like, not that we don't stick our necks out like this, but it's a lot to say this. Anyhow, that was Detroit's fifth straight win. And they've had a gnarly schedule, and they have a gnarly schedule coming up. But that's their fifth straight win. Immense, immense win for the reasons Brad said for the other teams who lost. Tampa Bay won, and so they kept pace and didn't let Tampa Bay gain ground on them. Like massive but tampa bay beat was it new jersey today yes philly lost to pittsburgh which depending on what math you're more concerned about there i'd say that's the better outcome for detroit because pittsburgh's cooked so having philly come drop below detroit's big because again if a team below them gets hot now philly's the target not detroit or tampa's the target not detroit like it's it mat that's little stuff matters eight game point streak for kane you know, DeBrink, it's producing again. Like it's, what else is there to say about it? I really do want to give credit to James Reimer. Like for the flaws where he loses his net and boy, did he not have his net locked in today? He was going for, I don't know if anyone plays, people listening who play Rocket League, he's not on ball cam. Like he does not know where his posts are behind him. The the shot that came in short side where the goal ended up going in Chicago's second goal, like it was a short side shot. And he ended up out of his crease like he was Thomas Vokun being dangled by Pavel Datsuk. Like, bro, what are you doing there? But James Reimer, as he's done in other games where he came up big, he made the saves he needed to, including a breakaway from Connor Bedard. Like, that's that's huge for the Red Wings. So at the time of recording right now, Detroit sits in the first wildcard spot. They have Tampa Bay behind them with two more games played, one fewer point. New Jersey is eight points back of Detroit. The Capitals are nine points back. They have two games in hand. Pittsburgh is 10 points back. They have three games in hand. And if you want to count the Islanders in it, they are also 10 points back and they have one game in hand. Like Detroit is, Detroit right now, they have one more game played, but they're four points back at Toronto for that third divisional seed. 
Who's more frustrated right now, Leaf fans or Red Wings fans? Because both teams are on absolute heaters. Detroit going, how have we not caught them? Leaf fans going, how have we not gotten rid of them? (laughs) (laughs) I think think for the first time you can say, for the first time maybe in this podcast history, you can say in this moment both fan bases are happy because Toronto (laughs) overcame the Riley suspension and are actually putting it together right now. And the Red Wings fans are watching a playoff team caliber hockey and results right now. We could go on talking about the Kane winner, what the Red Wings have done for hours. For now, let's actually jump into this interview uh, between me and our good friend Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit. We recorded that before the Chicago game, so it's almost going to seem a little muted, but it was after the St. Louis game, so we thought we had the risk of being way too hyped up. But it's a great conversation where we talk about playoff odds, we talk about the trade deadline, and lots more. So without further ado, Max Boltman of The Athletic Detroit. Enjoy. Max, I know there's going to be another game played before this episode's heard, but recording right after that St. Louis win felt like the right move. Yeah, uh, really after the last 72 hours, or I guess it hasn't even been that long, 48 hours, I guess, uh, since the Thursday night game against Colorado, when you look at the totality of that, you know, those two performances, a 2-1 grinded out win against a, a Colorado team that is certainly among the most talented, the most difficult to stop teams in the league, and you beat them in a grinded out 2-1 overtime game. And then you come back two days later against a St. Louis team that has started to make a little bit of noise lately, and you just completely end the game, basically, in the first period with a 4-0 swarm, and then you, you don't really have a significant letdown other than a few you know minutes here and there in the second. Uh, I, I have to think that that's... I'd have to really go back and rack my brain, but I, it's hard to think of a better kind of showcase window than those two performances back to back in terms of what the Ribbings have wanted to show, which is that they're a team that can, that can win multiple ways. And, uh, I got to think they're about as happy as they've been this season, certainly now eight points up on, on a playoff spot. It's funny because it's been almost like, I don't want to say a year to the day, but it was around this time last year where we were starting to feel oh six the, points. sorry i didn't see the new jersey had already played in one today <laughs> yeah it, it almost fast we we posted a standings update in tampa bay had already won by that point but still detroit is firmly in a, a playoff spot and it was this time last year around where we were like is this real this is something we haven't felt since we've started the pod since you started covering the red wings and here we are a year later and correct me if i'm wrong i had the same feeling but last year was more, what if, can they do this? And this year is more, they're in control, barring something going way off course. They're in the driver's seat, and I, I think they will do this. Last year, it felt like they had caught lightning in a bottle, and it was a question of how long can they ride this? How far can it take them? And the answer was not very far. Uh, in fact, I believe today, uh, for the listeners, is going to be February 25th. We don't know what will have happened in the Blackhawks game. I believe that is the date of that 2-0 to loss to the Lightning last year where Andre Vasilevsky stopped like 42 shots or whatever, and uh, and that led into the Ottawa letdown. So uh, certainly calendar-wise, it is too early to start counting chickens, but I have to say that the season, you know, I maybe the, I, I wrote the article Thursday, it's time to take them seriously. Um, you, you certainly would be acceptable to have done that sooner, but I think it's just at the point now where it's just... You know, maybe not these two games are like, this is who they are, but 
this this is certainly within their capability and they've been good enough consistently enough that I'm to the point now where I think they will make the playoffs and that is the first time I have said that I think ever uh on this beat in 6 years so I do think it's different no doubt and don't take that lightly for the listeners I mean we're going to talk about it on the main show too but to put that out on air like that's a big risk we're we're putting our necks out to get owned in a really bad way oh yeah freezing cold takes would have a field day but and and it can go off course like lots of things can change but with yeah. the way the red wings are playing I agree with you let's jump into a conversation we were having before we hit record here the difference in this version of the Red Wings versus years past is, you know, this is the part of the year where the contenders really intentionally kick themselves into another gear. And that's when teams like Detroit in the past would get left in the dust. And y- you said before we, we started recording, they would be on the St. Louis side of this game. This is Detroit being on the opposite side of that coin for the first time in my mind. Absolutely. And I, I, couldn't have said it better than that. I, I think this is the time of year where it's just, you know, the contenders feel the pressure. The I'm not talking cup contenders. I'm talking, you know, the, the teams that think they're they're playing for something in in April and May. Um, they turn it on and, and they they know they're jostling, whether it's to get in or whether it's for seeding or, or whatever else. And um, however hard you might have been fighting through October, November, December, even January, there is a question of can you match it when this time of year rolls around and it's just, it's a different level of intensity. And, uh, I, to, to certainly they've risen to that so far. I think they're five and two now since the all-star break. Um, those hiccup games, funny enough, like, you know, obviously they they were really lopsided. There were pretty decent stretches of those games where I did think the Red Wings were rising to meet that, that level. And I will say there were level, there were stretches of the Calgary and Seattle games where I didn't think they were doing that. And they did, they came out, uh, lopsidedly victorious and uh, at least the Calgary one of those but um point being I, I think no no team's perfect obviously you're not gonna look that way for eight weeks in a row but I, I think they are they are doing what you would expect a team um in 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 playoff position to do if you're gonna take them seriously there's a lot said there's a lot written and for you the listener go see Max's work on the athletic Detroit's put out a lot of great pieces uh, recently, we'll have links in the description, but uh, about you know the details of how they're winning games, the Lion, the Kane, how Larkin stepped up, and that's all for a different conversation. But in terms of the mentality to be able to, at this point in the season, kind of turn it on, where in your opinion does that come from? You know, people look at the leaders in the room, people look at Derek Lalonde. What's changed for this version of the Red Wings? There's probably like 10 different answers to this question. I don't want to diminish any of them. Um, I do think it's, you know, the, the Red Wings leadership group. I do think it's something just inherent inside the guys leadership group or not in their locker room that are, um, resilient, that want this, that, that are self-driven. I, I think it is the coaching staff, but like if I was going to winnow this down a little bit, um, we talked in January a lot about what, you know, the, the, the lot, kind of glimpse into the locker room we got when Derek Lalone told us about David Perron getting up and telling the team exactly what needed to happen that month. And something really similar happened last year. And then that kind of spurred the kind of false hope it turned out to be, but, but the hope at the time, um, I just think that's a big factor here. And, and, um, I don't think you could put it all in one person. I think it just goes so many different places, but when David Perron came in, I, I just think about the, 
the way that guys have talked about him as a competitor, the way you can watch him competing in practice, and really the way that you heard people in St. Louis talk about him after he left and what that loss meant to them. And maybe it's on my mind because there was the Emily Kaplan report about, you know, Perron's future this week. Um, but it it really has me thinking like, man, this is a this is a pretty important central piece to this room. And I, I wonder how much of kind of the the attitude, the culture of the Red Wings, like I'm sure David Perron's fingerprints are all over it, you know, and again, not putting it all at one place, but that's just something that, that I've just been kind of kicking around. You know, it's, it's interesting because last season at the end of the season, you had guys playing their hearts out until the end, even after the trade deadline, even after the Red Wings were realistically out of it. And for the first time I saw a genuine belief and then a subsequent genuine disappointment that the Red Wings weren't going to make it from the players. Like obviously Larkin has always hated to lose, but this was the first time the players tasted that. And yeah, they're, they're winning and their points in the standings help them believe that, but you got a sense that something different was happening in the culture of the room where even when they would have been called delusional, probably even by me at certain points to say they could still make it when they were almost mathematically out of it. They did what I think is the right thing for a team in their position to do. They, blocked out the noise and they allowed themselves to believe and buy in and then play for each other. And I think that's carried over into this year. So it makes a lot of sense for, you know, whether it's Derek Lalone who'd been there and done that in Tampa Bay and even guys in the room who understand that you can't make the impossible happen or break through those barriers until you allow yourself to be a bit deluded. It's a good way to put it. I mean, I I think that's something I think about with high level athletes all the time is, you know, we, we think about some of the decisions they make about their own career or their own, you know, whatever it might be. And you have to remember that like these guys have accomplished something that, you know, I'm sure they, a lot of them had great support systems, but like the world at large tells you, you're not going to be a professional athlete, right? Like I think most of us grow up hoping to be one. And a lot of us, you know, even with the most loving supportive environments are kind of gently reminded that that just doesn't happen. We were all just uh, one knee injury away. That's right. But like, you know, all these guys have have gotten to where they are by not believing any of that. And so uh, it stands to reason that that yeah, that what's going to make you successful, what does it take to um what is a common trait among those guys who are successful there is yeah, they don't they don't buy in when you and I tell them what their playoff percentage probability is, right? Like it's <laughs> if you believe that, that's a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's bulletin board material for them. That's right, exactly. As, as realistic as it might be, it might, it might be a, like a, a fact or something close to a fact, but they got to reject it, and uh, I, I admire that quality, actually. All right, I'm going to step away from the, the book of inspirational quotes here, and let's talk about something more substantial. Showtime in, in Hockey Town is ongoing and seemingly ramping up. Patrick Kane is now a point-per-game player, 11 goals, 15 assists through 26 games at the time of recording. And, you know, watching him on the ice, it seems that there is still more to him as he continues to get warmed up, as the team gets warmed up around him. Could you have imagined it would have gone this well with Patrick Kane? Not this well. I thought it would go well. I I think I've, I think I wrote, I thought it would go well, but you just didn't know. And I didn't think it would be that, like, he's a point per game player, right? Like this is not that that ball, you know, we, we, we put that, that, you know, rate at a pedestal so much, but it's because it really means something, you know, it, 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 
indicates not just that you can do some special things, it's that you do it so consistently. And that is what has been most amazing for his circumstance is like coming off this hip surgery that had no precedent for a recovery like this. And it just doesn't, it, it, you wouldn't know that he had had a procedure like that. If you watch it, you, you know, he, he's lost a step from when he was 26 because he's 35, right? Like, I don't think yeah. for 35, he looks slow. You know, I don't think he looks like a guy who's, who's, uh, who doesn't have the right hardware to, to get around out there. And it, it, and, and beyond that, it's just, it, it, it doesn't matter with, with his brain and with his hands, um, his feel like it, there's just this quality about him that, you know, defenses have to respect. And, uh, I did not think it would be this seamless for him. I, that would be lying to you through my teeth. No. Could talk a lot about the individual things he's done on the ice, but we all know his hockey IQ, his ability to find seams, his silky passes. I think the consensus is he is a major, major plus for the Red Wings. And, you know, they they signed him to the one-year deal, which put them at risk if it turned out this well. They would have to sign him after that to a 35-plus contract. They have to compete with everyone else. I think the Rangers sorely regret not signing him now. What does it look like in your mind for an extension and what feel do you have on, you know, the mutual interest for an extension, uh, even from Kane's side? Uh, I don't have a, a real feel for it. Um, I think it, you have to look at the success that he's had and, you know, the, he seems pretty energized to me. I don't, I certainly don't get the sense that he's looking for the, for the first door out or anything like that. But the reality is he's going to have a market like, everyone's going to have noticed this, right? And so he will have a decision to make, but there's a lot that brought him to Detroit to begin with. And, you know, the market may not have been as robust this year as it will be this off season for him, but he already chose Detroit once. And I tend to believe that um, if you make a choice like that and it goes well and they want you back, like that's a, I think that is the bones for him to stay. And and I have to believe the Red Wings are going to want him back seeing the impact he's made, knowing that, you know, what we've talked about so many times, Ryan, like they didn't get to draft a superstar like that with the first overall pick. And and it was always, where are you going to find one? Well, you know, a 35 year old is not your forever answer to that question. But when one, you know, points at you out of the crowd and, and says, you know, how about this? Like you, you take it and you take it for as long as, as it's working out. And so I don't think you can go real long-term here. I think it's got to be, um, you know, maybe I think two years would be perfect. I don't know if you have to, you know, negotiate longer than that, um, to make it work. But, um, I, I look at the Evgeny Malkin contract in Pittsburgh, which is four times, I think 6.1. And I think that isn't going to age great. So I would want to avoid that, but let's say you got two or three years at five, five and a half. I think you feel okay about that, right? Like, obviously you prefer with a guy that age, you just prefer the shorter term period. Yeah, uh, but you you could look at Malkin. You could look at Joe Pavelski. Like, I think you're in the range for for that, right? And yeah, I mean, Kane has made you know more money than nearly right. every other player in the NHL. So for him, and he said at this point, it's about winning. And I think if he stays, then it's a tacit approval of what's happening with the Red Wings that it's genuine winning because he knows what lifting the cup is like. And it might just be the, you know, buying into the hype at the current moment. But when you see him getting the LCA crowd pumped up and you see how much more full the LCA is to see Showtime, like that has to mean something. Like he has to, like, this is the kind of stage that he loves. He's a showman. There's no doubt. And and that's something you make that point. 
I remember that's one of the things that stood out to me on the day that he signed is there's there's often guys that will talk about, you know, oh, it means so much to play in an original six city and all this stuff. But Kane made this comment at his first press conference. It was like, I needed to be in a place that loves hockey. And and yeah. just the way he said it, it actually sounded like a physiological need. I need to be in a place that when I do this, you do, you know, you react a certain way at a certain level. And I remember hearing that and just being like, wow, like that's a, that's a way of putting that, that just felt, I'm not doubting the sincerity of the other guys who say it, but it just felt like a deeper need than that, if that makes yeah. sense. We're slowly writing like an inspirational hockey fan fiction here, but no, I know I I'm, agree. I'm like saccharin like sweet yeah. uh, right now. Like this is such uncharted territory. While while we're talking about this, it, we are talking in, in the, you know, wake of one of their better runs of the year. So it, it makes sense, but um, I don't know. I just, I, I, I meant it even then, even in November before I even really thought, I didn't even necessarily think that that addition was a, was a lock to get them into the playoffs. I just thought I put them in the mix but just the way he said it was like, oh, he like really does need to be in a place that is going to appreciate the spectacle that he provides. And a moment like that where he's hyping up the crowd, I think, just reinforces that. It's what it reminded me of. And for context, Emily Kaplan has reported that uh, the Red Wings are interested in there may be potential extensions in the works for Perron and or Patrick Kane. Uh, no timeline on it. Could be as soon as now or it could be in the offseason. But uh, very obviously, everyone... In, in both those parties are uh, interested in continuing the good run that's been happening in Detroit. Now let's get Max into the uh, trade deadline because that's really going to be the topic here uh, coming up. And we've been hearing, it was really interesting having our discussion before we hit record here because we've been hearing probably a mixed bag of nearly everything between the two of us. What do you make of, of the position the Red Wings are in? You know, what would make sense and, and what kind of what's out there in terms of what's rumored? Well, they're the funniest team to be in this spot because they have one of the like three or four GMs in the league that truly is, um, nobody has a, has a great read on what they're going to do. Right. So you'll hear some suggestion that they're not going to do much. That's kind of where I tend to fall personally. Um, you also hear the odd rumor of like, well, could they chase a big fish? And you don't know what's, what if that is like, a rumor that because you heard something or what of that is just like, you're looking at this and you're saying this team is really good. You don't know. And, and that's kind of the funny thing about covering this team is it's, you know, a lot of people have opinions on what Steve Eiserman could do or is going to do. And at the end of the day, you, you have to remind yourself that the circle of people who knows is really small. And it's, you know, you get these nuggets and, um, you try to read into them what you can, but I, I have no idea what they're going to do, Ryan. Like I, and, and most people I talk to, I don't feel like know what he's going to do either. It's, it's just a lot of, um, you know, I guess there's kind of theories and stuff like that, but, uh, I've, at the end of the day, I've come down that I said what they're doing is working. There's places they can improve. I think of course they can give up less goals. Uh, I think lineup wise, you can even point to places that the lineup can be stronger, even given how much they are scoring, whether it's defensively or whether it's just, you know, a little more firepower up front at, at the very top of that, less so than, than depth that uh, you can make both cases. I can make a case for them to do almost anything at this trade deadline. And yet I feel like they're, they are maybe ahead of schedule and maybe they just ride it out. But 
you know, you talked about earlier me putting myself out on the limb saying they're going to go to the playoffs. I feel like I'm putting myself more out on the limb by saying they're not going to do anything because I just have no idea. I do think that's probably the most likely answer, though, because even I, I personally believe that they're going to be a little bit more active, or at least Eisenman's going to try to be a little bit more active. But I think the end result is most likely to be what you just suggested because, you know, the market dictates what you can and can't do. And Eisenman doesn't, he doesn't usually pay a big price in trades. And if this is going to be a high price market, which is, it's maybe looking to be, then that's not going to happen. There's also going to be a lot of competitors. If you're going to get into a buying phase where you're going after guys like Jake Gensel or, you know, Jacob Chikrin, if you want to get really kind of uh, out sure. there, you're going to have a lot of competition for that. It's really funny that I, I completely, you know, sympathize with you. I've been like triple sure about something that I put out there and it was something as like small as a call up and I still sweat in the morning until I saw it come through. Like you're just with Eisenman, you just never know. But, uh, yeah, I, I think with this, with this trade market, one thing that I keep coming back to, and it's less about rumors and more about what makes sense is if I, I wonder if this isn't the trade market where Eisenman tries to offload a defensive contract and he might have to pay a price to do it but just in the interest of freeing up cap and roster space. Yeah. The deadline's a hard time to do stuff like that usually because you know, there's you're shrinking the the pool of teams potentially that can do it. Most of the contenders aren't looking to add salary unless it's for like a big upgrade. And usually if you're talking about dumping a contract, that's not what that is. Um, sometimes you can do it as part of a deal. We saw like the capitals did that with Richard Ponick as part of the Mantha Verana deal. And that's kind of an example of, of a, a way you can do something like that. Really, the Capitals, or out of the Capitals, the Canucks kind of did that with Andre Kuzmenko this year as part of the Lindholm deal. But I think just trying to flat out move, uh, quote unquote, bad money or something like that is really hard to do at the deadline. Um, but, you know, it, again, like we talked about, there are, there are bigger moves that you can do that, that can be a part of. Um, and it's possible. I, I think you do look at the Red Wings blue line, and, and I don't think you need to be. Um, you know, all that plugged in or anything to see that, that it's pretty jammed and not all those contracts feel like they're things that you're going to want to see on your books next year. Um, they only have one coming off the books. It's Shane Gossespierre, who's been pretty good for them. Uh, and they got to find room to have Simon Edvinson up sometime. You, you in theory, probably want to upgrade what you have on the right side, but you have money locked in all over the right side. So, uh, I do think you have to expect something to happen with the blue line at some point, but is it at the deadline or is it this off season? Now let's give a little bit of airtime to a rumor that's come about. We talked about Jake Gensel last episode and his name's been floating around out there a little bit. Do you see that as a potential fit for Detroit? Uh, complicated question. Yes. In the sense of like, he's an upgrade for sure for them. And, you know, you look at the way that their top six shakes out right now, and you've got three guys that you're slam dunk. Yes. That's a top six winger, Patrick Kane, Alex to bring it, Lucas Raymond, David Perron has most often been in the other spot in that top six. And I think he's got a case as that specifically because of his player type, um, as, as a guy who can win a lot of pucks for your kind of more fine skilled, um, wingers, but, like Jake Gensel is a different caliber. I think he's more in the caliber of those first three, and he might even be among the better of those first three that we said. So in that sense, yeah, sure. You're like, why would you say no to Jake Gensel? Um, the other side of it though, is it, he would be a rental unless you extend him. Um, and, and certainly you could extend him, but it's just, you know, one more contract you're locking yourself into. Um, and two is the player's kind of style. I don't think he has that, the hard elements in the same way that Perron does. 
Um, certainly doesn't have the, the physical size that, that Perron does. And I do wonder, can you make the whole top six out of kind of the smaller offensive wingers as opposed to if you could get like a bigger body, more competitive? Obviously, you still want the offense if it's there, right? Type. That's the dream scenario. Those guys don't come available too often because they're getting rarer and rarer in the NHL. So yes and no. I can see Jake Gensel. I see the logic behind it. Um, but I think that there's there's kind of questions with how that fit would ultimately look in practice too. And finally here, just to wrap, is uh, goaltending for Detroit. It's been it's been weird all year, right? And they've ultimately settled on, you know, Alex Lyon saving really the day for Detroit, but it's a lot of games for him in a way that he hasn't really had to face in his career. Although he seems to have done this exact same thing last season for Florida. Is there anything to be done in net? Because it's it's a little weird with who's so injured and Reimer sometimes can step in for a game, but other t- other times not really that reliable. It's a tricky question. Like I I don't think you're so pressed about the difference between like James Reimer and Capo Kakinen or Mark Andre Fleury that you do something like that, right? If you if you want to talk about like big like shoot the moon kind of idea, we're talking Jacob Markstrom, UC Saros. The argument for something like that, I guess, is that you know you're you're you might be making that deal now and benefiting from it at at this um, you know postseason run, uh, whether you make it or not, you you might you know benefit from from something like that. But the deal, I think, the logic if you were to try something like that would be that you have those guys. Like beyond this season too, right? Like Saros only one extra year, Markstrom's two extra years. But like, if you wanted to, you know, make an argument for goalie, you're probably saying upgrade it, you know, for next year or the year after that, and and you count this year's um, run as a as a bonus. It, it you know anything you get out of it, and um, and you get a jump on that business, and you make sure no one else gets one of those guys because those are the two big goalie names that are out there. It feels, you know, we, we talked earlier about how kind of sickly sweet we felt talking so positively. This to me falls in that category a little bit of like, uh, are you sure the Red Wings are in are in that territory yet? But maybe, you know, it, it's if, if you think about it as something that they would do in next offseason, it suddenly doesn't feel as, you know, far fetched. And so to get a jump start on that shouldn't be that crazy. I still tend to tend to feel like that maybe it's a little too soon to be talking about that but um i think that's what you'd be thinking of in 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 goal i don't think it makes sense to upgrade the the backup so to speak all right well there's a lot that's going to unfold over the next couple weeks here uh we'll check in we'll check in with you max after the trade deadline and as we approach a hopeful playoff push it'd be really great if we could uh we could start covering some playoff hockey it'd be nice for off seasons not to start in april I've never covered a playoff hockey game before. So, uh, you know, I, I would I would echo you and say it'd be nice, but I don't know if it's nice or not. I just have no way of knowing that. <laughs> Folks, uh, Max is doing a lot of phenomenal work with The Athletic Detroit. What I want you to do is go to Max's Twitter account, uh, M underscore Boltman. Click on the link to any of his articles that he posts. You'll see them all there. And subscribe to The Athletic Detroit through those links. Uh, Max's work is required reading. If it drops at midnight, which he often does because he's a, a maniac like me, I will stay up and read it. It is absolutely a must-have for any Red Wings fan. Uh, again, Max Boltman, The Athletic Detroit. Max, thanks so much for joining us, man. My pleasure, man. Thanks, as always, for uh, for the kind words and for having me. And uh, don't think I didn't notice you flexing the uh, the coveted 
Griffin's winged wheel pod hat on this, <laughs> on this broadcast. It's a hard buy. I tried to get extras, man. I can't even get more. So I, I, that's what I heard. I, I, I heard uh, you had the players begging for them and you just had no answer for them. We're, we're working on some back channel shipments. All right. Stay tuned. And that was our conversation with Max Boltman of the Athletic Detroit. Lots to talk about there. Again, uh, almost funny how we didn't see what was coming in Chicago, but who could have predicted? Who could have predicted any of this for the Red Wings? Again, we want to talk a lot about you know the Red Wings and playoff odds and and Kane and things like that. But let's actually get into trade deadline. Brad, uh, it's not just Evan who has the Nostradamus uh, touch to him, apparently. You suggested last episode when I, I said Pittsburgh's having a fire sale, it looks like Gensel's going, and you actually, you know, I skated past it and you said, hold on, I think Gensel would actually be a fit for Detroit. The problem is he's going to be 30 in October and how long do you want to extend him for because he's a pending UFA? So you would have to come with a, an extension, presumably. Eisenman's probably not trying to buy a rental from Pittsburgh. And not long after that, a little bit more smoke around uh, Gensel in Detroit. I think Elliot Friedman is the one who acknowledged that uh, he'd be a fit for Detroit as well. Hearing some things as well that not that he's likely to go to Detroit because I don't think Detroit's one of like the you know top four teams that are uh, highest in the Gensel sweepstakes. But I think Eisenman has asked or explored the opportunity and we'll get more into you know what Eisenman's looking for. But that could be a, a bigger conversation. It absolutely could be. The question around this is how long have all these insiders been listening to our podcast? (laughs) Yeah. You you know what? We actually have had it in the past where we've chased a tip in a circle and it's just been something that we've said. And I've been like, what a waste of time, (laughs) but no, that, yeah. And then the second question and the most important question would be what does Gensel's contract demands look like? Because at the time of the to bring a trade, I would have never guessed in a million years to bring it would have settled for a four-year contract. No. But that had the added caveat of he wanted to come to Detroit. Yeah. So there's a little more leverage there for Steve Eiserman. If Gensel were to sign a very similar deal to DeBrinkett's, Detroit should make that trade before the clock strikes midnight tonight. But if I'm Jake Gensel, I'm not putting a four-year contract on the table. I want six, seven. Eight years. Because it's that old catch-22, right? What does the Detroit Red... What do the Detroit Red Wings need in a forward? And you could almost draw Jake Ensel and go, this. Yeah. This is what they need. A naturally gifted offensive producer. A goal scorer. A guy who can put the puck in the net very naturally. Can I interrupt you for a second? Mm. People are going to say... Why do you guys keep saying that? And they have said, why do you guys keep saying that? The Red Wings are scoring a lot this year. Among the most in the league. No team that succeeds takes their foot off the gas. They press the pedal harder. And also the Red Wings have been great at converting chances, but they've been very mediocre at generating chances this year too, which is also something to keep in the back of your mind because historically that doesn't always hold up. Look at Seattle from last year to this year. My my big concern this offseason would be preventing that because the Red Wings numbers this year look very similar to how Seattle's did last year. Mm-hmm. Hey, that got the Seattle to game seven in the second round. So if we repeat that, I'm thrilled. (laughs) We'll take it. We'll take it. So Gensel fills a huge, huge need. He's exactly what they need. And the Red Wings have so many futures that even though he's going to cost a lot, they have those assets to give up without putting a huge dent in their future. 
but, 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 but I am not giving a 30-year-old an eight-year contract. I don't even entertain, or a seven-year contract. I don't entertain the thought at all. If the cap hit is right, I could be talked into five years on Gensel. Six, seven might be stretching it. If But if you get a really good cap hit, all right. But I just, if if I put myself in Jake Gensel's shoes, there's no way I'm doing that. This is his one big payday of his career. He'd be crazy to sell himself short right now when his values at peak. And we can't ignore the fact, who's he been playing with for the last, oh, however many years? Sidney Crosby. So there's that little part in the back of your head that goes, will it repeat itself if he's not playing with one of the greatest hockey players of all time? Dumoulin. We all know. The... Yeah, you know what? Here's here's what I said to someone when we were talking about it. I have the same concern. Like, what kind of term do you give him? Do you get eight years in a sign-and-trade or more likely a seven-year extension? I'm worried about that. I think Steve Eisman is less worried about that. And I don't necessarily want to say that he would be wrong to not be less worried about that because it's almost the money for the first time. When we have these conversations, it's usually the term that gives us pause. But... It's the money this time because they have Sider's raise coming up. They have Raymond's raise coming up. Who do they want to keep? They're probably extending Perron here. They're going to try to extend Kane. Do they want to try to keep Sprong? What's going to happen with Goss's Bear? The cap's going up, but only by so much, right? So if he gets a longer term to offset that a little bit, I'll be squeamish. But what have we learned over time? The cap is fake. You can make a lot of things happen, especially when you have time to make it work. And yes, Jake Gensel has played with Sidney Crosby, but I also think he's one of those players that's proven that he can succeed with whoever he's playing with. And he's going to be playing with talented players in Detroit. Not Crosby, but Kane. Well, it'll probably be JT Comfer and Lucas Raymond right now. Which is, that's a great pair to be playing with. It's not Sidney Crosby, but Lucas Raymond, he was one of the only players on the ice for Detroit for a lot of this game that was doing anything. Yeah, that's fair. And hey, that's only going to, a guy like Gensel would only elevate Lucas Raymond even further. Yeah. I understand what you're saying, and I think I fall into the same camp as you, Brad. Like, it doesn't make the most sense, but I can see a path to it working where you might have to plug your nose a little bit on the term. But if that gets it done, do you necessarily say no? Because then it it accomplishes that unique thing of, yeah, it helps Detroit leading up into this playoff run right now where you're now saying, "Eh, don't count them out so quickly if they make it, depending on who they play in the first round. But also in the long term, because this is now a team that's continuing it, they're essentially getting ahead of the offseason work. Yeah, and I've been paying attention over the years like to some of the players who have really hung around in the NHL into their late 30s to see. Because you get guys like Joe Pavelski, David Perron, Crosby's a good example right now, who they don't really drop off at all. Crosby's going to get a raise. If, if any, very little. And they're still super productive into their late 30s. And then you guys like Jeff Carter who go off a cliff and a lot like that. And I've, and I've figured something out about what type of player thrives into their late thirties. And what I figured out is I have no damn clue. (laughs) (laughs) So as much as I'd like to say, yeah, a guy like Gensel doesn't rely on speed. So yeah, in theory, maybe he'll age better than others. I don't know. Maybe (laughs) it's, it's shooting talent in hockey IQ, right? Like you're not exclusively, but. They persist. You're betting on luck. I I have no other way to put it. It might work out. It might not. If he's productive to 35, that 
probably gets into the Red Wings cup window a little bit, which might be worthwhile. But then you get into the question of, do they want to go even bigger game hunting at some point? And how much does that limit the cap space? Because Elias the Patterson down- hasn't signed his contract. Yep. The downside of Lucas Raymond uh, having a great year is uh, he hasn't gotten any cheaper. Yep. Most Satter's going to get a bag. And yeah, of all the unrestricted free agents that they have, Perron, Sprong, uh, Goss, Bear, and obviously Kane, you figure they're going to keep at least two of them. They're not going to be cheap. So it is it is tricky. So again, it's one of those situations where if you as a hockey fan are looking and going, the Red Wings could use Jake Gensel, you're absolutely right. A thousand percent right. But be careful the context and the circumstance of what it would take to get him. So uh, other news in terms of what the Red Wings are looking for, there's a lot floating out there right now. And what I'm... I'm careful to say anything concretely because it is, there's just so much noise around this time of year. Yes, Steve Eisman is the one of the most tight-lipped in terms of how he keeps his organization tight. We can attest to that personally. Not a lot leaks out of that organization. But around this time of the year is when you get talking to other teams, agents get involved, things get out. I, I'm going to double down on what I said to Max. I think Detroit is exploring a lot of avenues. What can this team use? like most teams, top six forward, top four defensemen. I'm not so sure about the goalie thing. That's a little bit of a nebulous space, but yeah, maybe. Who knows? They're, they're, maybe they're kicking some tires. But I think if they can improve their defense, they will. I think if they can improve their forwards, they will. One thing that I, I'm, I'm really, it makes a lot of sense. I have a gut feeling, and just based on some things I'm hearing, I'm wondering if Steve Eisman doesn't use this deadline to move out one of the defensive contracts that are causing a bit of a knot back there right now. Free up some space for Edmondson. Maybe it frees up space for a a defensive improvement that they'd bring in. It solves a problem in terms of uh, cap space as well. And who that is, I don't know. Maybe a team could look at Olimata and say we could use that kind of steady hand in the Western Conference maybe. I don't know what it might be, but it's not... Max said he doesn't feel like that's trade deadline work, and I agree, but... In the flurry of the trade deadline, I wonder if that's not something that Steve Eisman is trying to do. Well, this would make sense in a couple ways, albeit tricky. In a cap world, teams are pretty used to deals that have to be money in, money out. Just, you know, teams are up against the cap or other teams have, you know, if they're a seller, cap floor minimums to meet, whatever it might be. And... The team usually has to pay a premium to do it. But if you're a bottom feeder, and we know this well, you still have to put NHL talent on the ice, at least as much of it as you can. So if you're looking at a, not that this is going to happen, let's say Calgary trades Rasmus Anderson. They need to still field some defensemen. Maybe they take Olimata back. And that's a bit of money offset. Detroit will have to add more to unload a contract. But if you can acquire an upgrade, unload cap, and do it all in one nice tidy deal, that is a worthwhile venture for most teams. And if the Red Wings are shopping for a defenseman, mm-hmm. probably one with term, it would make a lot of sense. We'll see how that one shakes out more. Again, it's not often you get a lot of uh, noise for the Red Wings, but there was a report that... Uh, Jontin Berggren actually has rejected a the most recent contract offer from the Red Wings. Here's what to read. We're going to do a little bit of reading between the lines here. First off, 
in a contract negotiation, either party is going to reject at least one proposal from the player or the team pretty often. It's almost not news. Second, it's not exactly a secret that Berggren's frustrated with being in Grand Rapids right now. He says the right things in front of the camera and the microphone, but you don't have to look far to, to find attestations that he's not thrilled with being down there. And he is an NHL-level player right now. He just, for obvious reasons, doesn't fit into this NHL squad, and that's just unfortunate. And again, a lot of people have differing opinions. If you asked us at the beginning of the year, Berggren would be on the team. I still think he could help this team right now, but that's neither here nor there. This to me screams uh, agent pressure. Like that kind of specific piece of news doesn't get out unless it's from an agent in my mind. I'm not sure. I don't know. Definitely. You didn't really see it corroborated in a lot of places. And so I'm like, this is just, it feels like it's coming from the Bear Grant camp and it's just all the more food for thought of, yeah, Bear Grant seems like he's on his way out. Yeah, what this is, is a road flare to the rest of the NHL going, my client's available. If Stevie hasn't called you yet, this is your confirmation he's available. If you would like to explore trade and contract with him, we are listening. Yeah. Jonathan Berggren's agent's biggest job right now is getting him NHL ice time. It's not the money because the money doesn't matter on this contract. The money's going to matter on his next contract. He wants more NHL goals before he, he you know, signs that next contract. So... That's what this one feels like to me. And I think if Detroit does make a trade here, it's going to be Berggren being one of the centerpieces uh, going the other way. And I mean, very quickly talking about Pittsburgh, makes sense for Pittsburgh. Dubas wants to get younger. He wants NHL talent. Uh, that's it right there. He'll want picks too to replenish the cupboard, but Berggren would be a, a pretty unique fill for him. I could see a world where Berggren a defenseman and a sweetener go to Pittsburgh for one of their defensemen, maybe Marcus Pedersen. I would be a big fan of that. I would love that. And it it makes sense for both teams because Dubas is in that weird position of he can't go, you know, full nuclear rebuild. He's got Crosby, Malkin, and Latang for a long time still and Eric Carlson. They can't bottom out. Their core is too good to bottom out. So they might be the one of the few deadline sellers where the primary return isn't futures. Yeah. It's I we want someone who could play now, preferably someone young. So Berggren would fit that bill for them. And Dubas likes his skill guys as he should. And Berggren also fits that bill. Even more trade deadline news for the Red Wings. Emily Kaplan did a lot of really great reporting and uh, both in a pregame show after the Red Wings had played and then uh, wrote an article as well talked about both Perron and Kane. First said something which I thought was uh, kind of unique about Perron, a little bit surprising that the Red Wings were potentially exploring a trade option. And I, I don't know whether that was they were looking for the trade. It would solve some future cap problems or if if someone recognized what Perron brings to a team and, and they were trying to trade for him. My guess would be the latter. But that has since changed and they are now way more heavy in the court of uh, extension and that extension is potentially in the works. And here's what I think about that. Piranha slowed down. We know that he's not exactly a strong skater, but in terms of what he brings on the ice, when he's in the right position, when the Red Wings can use him in offenses on starts, the power play, et cetera, he makes a difference on the ice still. He does. Is it a little bit harder at points than last season? And is it going to get harder from here on out? 
Yes, absolutely. But when you talk about the culture of a winning team, like I, I'm not even saying like, I'm saying this is a one-off. Like I genuinely believe this guys like Perron are difference makers. I, I was watching a game with Ken once, uh, it was a national game. So we were sitting in the stands and Perron was barking at Bertuzzi who was, you know, you know, Bertuzzi when he, his body language was terrible, smacking his stick and, you know, pissed off and he was taking long shifts and Perron was barking at him. Like, Hey, we all want to play. Like you got to get off when it's your time. We've heard time after time after time, Max talked about it, where Perron gets up in the room and motivates the guys. The culture of this team has changed slowly over the past few seasons and Perron has been a massive part of that. So I think that kind of thing means something. And it's, I think it's a smarter move to not remove that piece when the Red Wings are going as well as they are right now. Well, getting to, back to that conversation about aging curves, obviously he's not as effective this year as he was last. I agree that this is a guy you want to keep around for all the reasons you said. The Red Wings, where they are in the standings right now, very obviously are not going to be sellers at this deadline. You might lose a couple free agents at the end of the year for nothing. So be it the cost of getting into the playoffs. Every playoff team experiences it. So what? They have to be real careful about the contract with Perron. If it's a one-year deal at three-point something, phenomenal. Absolutely a-okay by me and highly encouraged. But I probably am not offering a multi-year deal, and I'm definitely not going over four mil. Again, if it's me, you know, and we could quibble over where that line is exactly, but it's probably around four mil for me, and the one-year is a hard line. And if he's not willing to agree to either of those things, yeah, it sucks. But when you're good, cap space matters. It really, really does. And you can't pay more for a depreciating asset. It'll be a 35 plus contract, uh, which is another, it's harder to get out of the cap hit on those when guys retired, blah, blah, blah. But he's playing at a 44 point pace right now. Which, Same as Daniel Sprong, which, which is relevant for pending unrestricted free agents. Which is, a, it's a drop from, you know, the past four seasons have been 60, 50 point seasons. He had a 46 point season, but that was in 57 games. It's a drop. I think if David Prawn takes a discount, I agree. The number at most has to start with a three. One year deals from here until he's done. You you move him down the lineup. Having David Prawn your third, fourth line is a really great thing, actually. And you say, look, you're going to be a part of this team's culture. You're going to be a part of this team's ascension. Players are going to be want to be a part of this program. I think he'll be. Like, I think he'll be into that. It's not like he's going to go back to St. Louis right now where maybe you would have said his heart is. Like, they're not going in the right direction. Although they are doing surprisingly well this year. Well, not recently. <laughs> no, they had a rough weekend. <laughs> yeah, to me, I can, this, like, this makes sense with the right kind of fit in terms of contract. And I can see the contract making sense for Perron too. Sometimes you just don't mess with happy. Yep. That's a great way to put it. Speaking of which... Emily Kaplan also reported that the Red Wings are very obviously uh, in the works for offering and working on an extension for Patrick Kane. There seems to be some potential and uh, some good news on that front in terms of like positive leading, nothing concrete yet. It could even happen as late as the off season, but just that that process is happening now. If you're Patrick Kane, you know, we've talked about this before. We talked about it last episode and we've talked about Kane for nearly an hour here already, but this guy, he's the same guy who who 
celebrates in front of his former team's fans yelling showtime. That'll never not be funny. <laughs> on the retirement of Chris Chelios's jersey, who's going to go down as one of the other greatest American players of all time, Kane will likely go down as the greatest. Like The money matters, of course. The winning matters, of course. The Red Wings are winning. They'll be able to offer him probably competitive money. I'm sure some team's going to make some over-the-top offer to try to get him, but competitive money. And this is just this moment, this this fit, the story, it just makes too much sense. Like, I know I'm speaking, like, I'm speaking as a Red Wings fan right now. I'm not really analyzing this objectively. I'm telling you what I want to happen, not what I think will happen. I don't know what I think will happen. But I also think he's going to do it because I think it just makes too much sense. Get this negotiation done while everybody's riding high right now. <laughs> yeah, that's how you get cheap contracts. Do like, not wait until the Red Wings lose another game to sign this contract. Like, they, it just, the fit has just been otherworldly levels of good. Whether you were a, a Patrick Kane tentative positive person, like I think we were, we were like, he has to overcome something no one else has really overcome in terms of his procedures, or whether you're a Patrick Kane naysayer, you cannot deny that this guy has been box office for Detroit. And Patrick Kane likes being box office. That's been his whole thing. That matters to him. Max just talked to us about that. That matters to him. He likes this, you know, this kind of focus on him. He loves the spotlight on him. That's when he thrives. That's when he plays his best hockey. I I don't see how he would risk blowing all that up to go to, you know, say the Rangers or whatever. This works right now. Don't mess with Happy. Box office? You couldn't just say Showtime? I, th- I felt like I've said Showtime <laughs> so many times. <laughs> Look, I, I really mean it. Usually we try to keep episodes to like an hour and a half at most. And when we get over the hour 30 mark, the guys will tell you, like, I my eyes are shooting daggers at them. Like, we need to clean this up. Like, a lot of stuff gets left on the cutting board. I know this episode's probably going to go over, but we could talk about Kane and the Red Wings more. But we actually should give some attention now to the Grand Rapids Griffins. This streak has not ended since the last time we talked about the Grand Rapids Griffins streak. And we had talked about that before in Grand Rapids with head coach Dan Watson and Matt Luff, who were both on the, the live show. But they were coming into today against Milwaukee on a 14-game point streak. First time in AHL history that two teams with a 14-game point streak or more were playing each other. And Milwaukee had what? Won, Eight, what, 19 straight 18 games? 18 or 19 wins in a row. Which I know it's the AHL, but that is sick. That's a team that's going well. Second longest in AHL history, I believe, at the time. And the Griffins beat them in regulation. 15-game point streak. They continue to be one of, if not the hottest teams in the AHL. Kosa got first star, 37 saves. He's been phenomenal. He's really picked it up as the season has gone on. He's having the kind of season that Red Wings fans and Brass will have wanted him to have. Casper scored, Mazur scored, Hannah scored. Aston Reese, I think, got the fourth. The Grand Rapids, the turnaround that they've had and what Dan Watson has been able to do in just these, you know, the the end of 2023 up until now, like, man, people are sweet on the Red Wings. People are sweet on the Red Wings farm system because of what they're doing in Grand Rapids. It's the Red Wings, it's the AHL team, and it's the prospects outside of Grand Rapids too, because it's probably worth mentioning, you know who had a huge game the other day? Axel Sandin Pelka. He's back. Goal and two assists, came back from injury. Danielson's crushing it in Portland. And then, yeah, the Griffins are on an absolute heater, which is being led by Kosa Edvinson. 
Casper, Mazer. Obviously, you got some of the older guys, Berggren and Aston Reese, helping out as you need. But it's primarily be driven by guys under the age of 23, which is insane. You don't win in the AHL on the backs of young guys. You don't. Did we... Did the roof fall on our heads as we were recording a podcast in late December and we've just been in like a fugue state or like uh, we're all in a collective, me, you and Evan, who's not even here, are in a collective coma, just daydreaming the Red Wings and and their whole system storyline from 2024 onwards? To steal and slightly change a bit from Jim Jeffries, all I know for sure is I think, therefore I am. For all I know right now, I'm in a white padded room in a coat designed to keep my hand still, yelling, showtime, at the wall. <laughs> Beyond that, everything's a guess. I'll take it, man. <laughs> I'll take it. After the nine years we've had covering this team, like this is just a different kind of energy. And we, and in one of the three games, the Red Wings played terribly. <laughs> they were bad against one of the worst teams in the league, and we're still this positive. But no, seriously, to go no, back to the Griffins. 40 chess. We gave Chicago a point, hurting their lottery odds. That's right. And we set up the the winner for Kane the only way it could happen. But uh, to go back to Grand Rapids, that is like amazing for the Griffins. If you are able to make it to Van Andel at all, if you're in Grand Rapids and you haven't gone or if you can drive out there, go. Trust us, go. It is absolute must-see entertainment right now. And that is an exciting team to watch. But yeah, from a Detroit perspective... Edvinson doing well, Mazer doing well, et cetera, et cetera. Like that all is phenomenal and you almost expected it to happen. But the big question mark this year is what could Kosa do and how he's built his game going on has been, that's like the biggest positive news story of any Red Wings prospect so far, including Axel Sandy and Pelka in my mind. Well, he's been the wild card forever because franchise goalies are impossible to stumble upon and him even more so because he was advertised as the you know, project all the athletic tools, but he'll take longer. And then you have Wallstep breaking out and everybody going, Oh, see, see, you see, should have taken him. And then Kosa at some point this season decided, nah, I'm going to be better than him now. Good for him. And like the, the attention on Wallstep and Askarov, like in facing off against those guys, like good for him. Okay. Why don't we take this opportunity to jump into overtime? There's so much NHL news to cover. Matthews is scoring a trillion goals. Winnipeg is getting fewer and fewer season tickets every year, and they have pressure on them. Uh, Rempe has fought 19 more people since the last time we talked. (laughs) But uh, we have to jump into overtime because it is very late at night right now. Overtime is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash wingedwheelpodcast. If you want to support the Dub Dub Club, this is what uh, you allow us to do. You allow us to record extremely fun episodes like this at the dead of night. Uh, you allow us to host Winged Wheel podcast nights with the Detroit Red Wings and the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, you allow us to grow and improve the show. Host expected by whom? Uh, hosted by Prashant Iyer and Sean Shapiro and, and support the Jamie Daniels Foundation and so much more. So again, patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. Uh, you get access to all of our bonus episodes, which record right after these main ones. Though tonight might be an exception. You uh, get entered into all of our giveaways. We're giving away two tickets to every Red Wings home game, the vast majority going to our Patreon supporters. Uh, additionally, you also get access to our Winged Wheel Podcast Discord. So one more time, patreon.com slash Podcast. Just to update some stats. 
Jesper Wallstad has a very respectable 906 save percentage in the AHL this year. It's good for the year. That's really good. Costa's at 911. He was under 900 not long ago. Yeah. I'll take it. You know what it is? You know what's turned it around for him, right? The hat. The hat. It coincides perfectly with when he got the (laughs) Wingfield Podcast hat. I'll tell you, no wonder Mazer wants one. All right, let's take some questions here from our patrons. Uh, Apologies to our patrons just uh, for time's sake. It's not going to be all of them or a lot of them right now. Uh, Cody Stark says, Dylan James had a nice little night in Grand Forks. Beautiful game-winning goal. Who's your favorite college prospect in the wing system? I like him, Augustine, and Booyam. Oh, it's Augustine. Augustine is like the juicy answer. Although, Booyam doesn't get a lot of attention, and he's producing as well. Oh, yeah. Well, I think I mentioned him a few episodes ago as like the dark horse of the prospect system. Yeah. Not necessarily betting on him to make it or be the guy, but he's still worth keeping an eye on. But yeah, Dylan James, he had a, a two-goal night, including the game winner. So uh, lesser-known Red Wings pick. Sec- Second-round pick, though. So a guy you might not have heard from a lot. Uh, Kyle Koob says, uh, Raymond has continued his stellar play as of late. Can you chalk his recent rise to development or his improved uh, line mates? So it, his his recent rise, is it because of development or his line mates or is it a combination of the two? Mostly development. Because he went down to anchor the second line and kept producing. I'll say the same thing. Uh, Max had a tweet. He was quoting someone else, but Raymond is driving play. He struggled with that in the past. He, when he w- got pulled off the you know Larkin Bertuzzi line or Larkin and whoever it was, like he didn't always drive play. He did well, but it depended on the center. Raymond's driving play right now. So yeah, the, do you hear he's having a hard time keeping weight on in this season? Like that's the kind of thing that people don't really think about, but it is uh, exceptionally hard to do so. It's a super common problem and there's different degrees. Actually, uh, it's worth, go read up on Tyler Sagan's struggle with that because he's at the extreme end of it and it's bonkers. He says he gets up to about 11, 12% body fat in the off season, which is still absolutely cut. But I could lose 11 to 12% body fat and not be at 11 to 12% body fat. I forget the exact numbers, but I think when it gets, he gets into the heart of the season, he gets down to like three, 4%. Like he just can't keep it on. It's crazy. It is like the grind of the season. Isn't just the mental toll. It's not just from being tired. It's not just your lungs. Like you're, you lose muscle. You cannot build muscle quicker than you are losing it. Yeah. Look at the Red Wings schedule these two weeks. When are they getting to the gym? And every game, you burn muscle, you burn fat, you lose weight. Your time in the gym is to condition your muscles and, and get rid of the lactic acid, really. Yeah, honestly. It's maintenance. You're maintain. It is, the NHL is a war of attrition. And the playoffs are just that. After 82 games, they say, hey, do that, but tune to 100 and for, you know, 16 more wins. Best of luck. Dude, Bobrovsky goes through a full season in a game. <laughs> he does. That guy, that dude sweats. Man, that has got to be a condition. He makes Evan look like the Sahara Desert. <laughs> Podgy says, with insane success, both in Detroit and Grand Rapids, is there a chance of movement for Edvinson, or is this going to be one of those if-it-ain't-broke situations? I'm leaning towards the if-it-ain't-broke situation, but I also think whatever opportunities present themselves at the deadline could change things. If the Red Wings strike out acquiring a good defenseman, but they do find a taker for one of their bottom three defensemen that would force the hand to bring Edvinson up, then I think they might have no choice. Yeah. Again, Grand Rapids success. Awesome. I'm still very much Edvinson should be a Red Wing. So whatever it takes. 
I do think the Detroit will be more motivated now, though, to keep him in Grand Rapids because you don't want to screw up with what's happening there. And if you don't need it in Detroit, I think even if they get rid of a contract, they'll just roll with the six they have. I think it has to be, you know, getting rid of a contract and an injury or something to to really force their hand. Uh, this is going to be a question from a lot of people, but Nick Geyer says, what are you thinking about the Kane extension in terms of what it would look like? Don't care. Just get it done. I think you're talking multiple years. Three years at probably like seven mil, I would guess. You think as high as seven? Dude, he's a point per game. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I would say seven mil for a player of his age is bad shit. He's a point per game coming off hip resurfacing. And let's be honest. If you look at what Crosby's doing right now, if anybody can hang on, it's the special players can. The generational players can. Yes, yes. That like your your joking answer before of like I don't know the guys who are who are generational talents they hang on. Yeah, that's part of what makes yeah. them generational. Do I do I know how well David Perron's gonna be playing in two years? No. Do I know how well Ben Trost can be doing in three years? No. Do I know that Crosby, Ovechkin, Kane are probably still gonna be contributing for a couple more years each? Yeah, yeah. It's probably a pretty safe bet. Okay, there's a lot of other really good questions here. I want to recognize Nick Odette, who's a new Patreon supporter. We are going to answer these in our Patreon-exclusive uh, overtime episode, which will be a little bit delayed as we catch up on sleep and just make sure this episode can get posted, but we will get it out to you. You can obviously understand that this was a little bit of a special day. And uh, you know what's funny is we we pre-recorded the interview with Max to make tonight easier, and the Red Wings went, mm. No. <laughs> and what you know what? We're happy for it. So we're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. We're going to be back with you on Wednesday to hopefully continue the hype. Uh, thank you all so much for tuning in. This is the kind of episode that we're excited to put out to fans. Like, this is what Red Wings fans deserve. Hockey Town is so back, man. To all of our listeners, to new listeners, welcome to the show. I would love to say we're always this positive, and for now we'll ride with that. To listeners of old, you you deserve this for sticking it out. To all of our Patreon supporters, we we can't be doing this without you. And to our name-level supporters on Patreon, thank you so much. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefer, Samuel Soderholm, Icon, Brad's Lord and Savior, Bradley Cleveland, Glenn Brabham, Croner's Left Knee, Ashley Van Conet, Sea Lion, Matthew M. Rice, Admiral Matt S. of the Cheesebag Navy, Carl Brutina Nanaluski, Carl Provi, Citizen High Five, Clip Clop Nene, Connor Scovey, Craig Kibble, Denny's Gamer Girl, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, God Creatives, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Hockey Town Love, Hockey Town Matt, Hassal Malkasem, I'm Ryan, Nine Year Hannah, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Joel Miranda, Jonathan Miller, Kaylin Wood. Last time Brad and Evan weren't on their phone during the readout, I was very surprised. Marcus, Marlon Winchester, Matt K, Cannon Fodder, the Cheesebag Army, Matt McKay, Michael Edland, R.A., Red Feather Desert Dogs, Ryan Hubbard, Ryan, 50 Handicap, 50 Hanacap Hannah. No, it's under 40 now. Scott Martin, Screen Lube, that's what I appreciate it's about you. Wallman's Elite Dancing D, Iser Plan Stan. General Andy Bohan of the Cheesebag Army, Sam Bankson, A.B., Adam Rose, Antonio Gracias, Axel Sandy Pelica, Bellingham Acid Balls, Brad Simmons, Brian Vasha, Chuck Buffchest, the Tarpless Goon, Commander Ben Barron of the Cheeseback Space Force, Connor, Connor Leighton, Corey Prita, Darren Fick, D-Boss Sniff Show, Derek James, Dungeon Master of Puppets, Frank Stanley, Gene Sullivan, Griffey Boy, James Pridemore, Jeremiah Dobo, J.M. Rhapsody, Jogan Rafferty Fan Club, John Evans Derogatory, John Ingalls, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Les Grossman's Ungodly Firestorm, Linda Hull, Maximilian, Melissa Erickson, Michigan Boy and Avs Country. Brand new name level supporter. Welcome to the show. Oh, Ophelia, Reed, Steven, the Hodag, the Mexinadian, the Hat123, 
Winging It in San Diego, ex formerly AA Ron, and your second favorite patron. Thank you all so much. It's showtime. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.